Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. What's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. So glad to have you here with us today for episode 383 of the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, we've got my good friend Chandler Bolt joining us to talk all about writing and self-publishing books. Now, Chandler joined me a few years back on the podcast. I'm glad to have him back to learn more about his company, Self-Publishing School, and what it looks like to bring a book to life. Now, Chandler's approach to book writing helps others to write and publish in as little as 90 days. Now, how do you actually do that? You may be wondering. Now, his more writing method is a map that simplifies the process through a series of checkpoints that helps build momentum through the process. And during our conversation, Chandler is going to highlight the benefits and challenges of self-publishing versus traditional or hybrid, and also how to determine when you're ready to make the leap from thought to actually writing something down and to putting it into a rough draft. We're also going to talk about the launch triangle, how to generate sales and why reviews, promotions, and the right team make all the difference in getting it into the hands of your audience. Chandler also reminds us of the realistic expectations throughout the process and how to keep moving forward while your book grows your business. He is just a wealth of knowledge. And while our conversation just scratches the surface of all there is to learn, you're definitely going to have a better idea of where you're going. So let's jump right in. Here's my conversation with Chandler Bolt. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Hanging out today with Chandler Bolt from Self-Publishing School. Chandler, welcome back. I was looking up, man. You were on episode 67 back uh, May 2016. So it's been it's been almost five years. That's crazy. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy, man. It feels like just yesterday. Thanks for having me. That means uh, you and I have gotten slightly older, and yet we still look so young and handsome. You know, It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a blessing and a curse. So, <laughs> Hey, tell us about uh, Self-Publishing School. For those that aren't familiar, talk about the, tell us about the, the company that you run. Yeah, so I run a company called Self-Publishing School and selfpublishing.com. Um, we're an online education company. We help people write and publish books in as little as 90 days that grow their impact, their income, and their business if they have one. And so what we get really fired up is about helping people write books that grow their business. Nice. Um, so I, I believe that books change lives, right? Like we've all had our, our life changed by reading a book, probably almost everyone listening, like you've read a book that changed your life. So books change the lives of readers, but they also change the lives of authors. And so, yeah. and, and it'll be the best thing you ever do for your business. And so that's what we, we get fired up about. Now, I know obviously you're biased. You love, you love all things books. Um, and so in this day and age, like there are, there's a ton of different mediums and platforms, whether that's, you know, YouTube or, uh, or I guess audiobooks or podcasts, or, you know, it could be any number of things. So are books still as relevant as they were, you know, 10, 20, 50 years ago? Are they going, uh, obviously like the publishing industry has had, you know, massive changes in the past couple of decades, which is a win for you, of yeah. course. And, and self-publishing is much more of a viable option than it was several yeah. years ago, but like our books still as relevant as they have ever been. You know, it, it, every decade people are like books are dead and they're, and, and books are dying and they just keep surviving. So I, I think 
books are, and not even just, I think just statistically books are selling, but like they haven't in a long time. I mean, book sales continue to rise, but so the mechanism, like where they're selling has changed. Like now 70% of all books sold are sold on Amazon. The, how people are publishing them has changed. Like a lot of those things have changed, but, and then in some ways, even the mechanism, like things are shifting towards audio, towards ebook, but then even still, I mean, there's, there, you know, probably whatever it was a decade ago when, when the Kindle come, came out, maybe it's longer than that. Everyone's like, oh yeah, this is the death of physical books. And right. then you still have, I mean, then the pandemic hits, physical books are on the right. Like, so I know for me, I only, <laughs> I read print books. <laughs> like I've got print books all over my desk here and I listen to audiobooks. I, I don't read Kindle books. And so it depends on the person, I think, but I think they're very much alive and well, and they're very much one of the best places to, to kind of virtually introduce yourself or physically introduce yourself to right. physical book or audio book to, to your target audience. Now, obviously like our audience here listening is speakers. And so ultimately the goal here is, you know, that they have a message that they want to share and speaking is just one medium to do that. Obviously a book is another way, like why should speakers consider doing a book? Yeah. Well, the good news is you've already written your book. You just didn't know it. Um, if you haven't written one and that's like your signature talk is at least the shell of a book, mm-hmm. right? If, and if you have a series of talks, like that is definitely the shell of a book, but why you should do it, it's going to help you raise your speaking fee. It's going to ha- help you make more money per speaking gig. I interviewed, you might know him, Carlos Whitaker on mm-hmm. self-publishing school podcast. And he talks about how like he uses books as part of his talks and like how he weaves it into the talk. And it's like, they'll sell thousands of dollars of books in every talk that he does. And so it's like, that's one way to do it, but also, you know, you raise your speaking fee, sell books, but then, but then also if, if you're trying to get booked for speaking gigs for a TEDx talk or whatever that thing is, a book is one of the best ways um, to do that. So I'm just very, I, I use books as well. I speak and this is a little bit different than probably most people would think, but you know, the first year I started speaking back in 2018, um, we did literally to the nose a million dollars in sales um, for self-publishing school from speaking in the first year that I spoke. And it was, I don't even know if I got paid a dollar that year in speaking fees. <laughs> it might have been like a thousand bucks total or something, but we did about thirty to $40,000 per event. I would go there. I would give away, in some cases, hundreds of books to attendees. They would sit down and talk with the team at self-publishing school, sign up for self-publishing school. Like, so that I've kind of seen that firsthand of how I use books um, when we go speak to turn audience members into paying customers. Yeah. And you have a great example there of oftentimes people assume like in order to be a speaker, it has to be, I go speak, I collect a check. And that's kind of the end of the transaction. Yes. But like in your case uh, and a bunch of speakers cases, like maybe you don't get a dollar from the actual event planner, but you can point to, you know, thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars in revenue because you were a speaker. So yeah. it's not always just this black and white of like, I went and spoke and I collect a check or didn't get collect a check. Like there's a lot of ways to drive yeah. business from speaking beyond just whether or not, you know, the event planner gives you a, a check. Well, I'd, I'd love to have, you know, I'm, I'm jealous of you and all these other successful speakers that just have people beaten on, down their door to pay them to speak. Like no one's paying me. Well, and that I'm case, getting paid to speak. I but guess. at that point, like then you get the best of both worlds. You're being paid uh, from the event planner and you're generating yes. something on the back end. Um, yes. But again, that also depends on the, the speaker and it depends on their, their business model, what it is that they're trying yeah. to accomplish. So, all right, let's shift gears for a second. So one of the hardest parts uh, about creating a book is actually the, the writing of the book. And so 
yeah. I, I know for me personally, I I've self-published a book and then traditionally published a book. One time I wrote every single word myself. Another time I hired a ghostwriter and I was like, oh, this is a heck of a lot simpler. And so just when you're staring at a blank screen, even like you said, you may have a talk and you may have some you know clarity on, on who you speak to, what problem that you solve, but that doesn't always necessarily mean that it's going to translate well to a book. So when you have some rough idea, but you're trying to figure out like, what does this look like in book form? And you're staring at a blank screen, like where, where, where do you begin to write a book? Yeah, great question. So um, I, I talk about a process I call the more writing method and more is an acronym. So the M in more writing method, M stands for mind map. That's the very first step. So what I recommend that people do is take the topic or maybe this is what you speak on. Maybe this is what you're thinking. Hey, maybe I could write a book on this. Um, take that book topic, write it in the center of a page um, and then take 15 minutes and just write out everything you can think of on that topic. So lessons that you've learned, stories that you've told uh, or that, you, that you've experienced, you know, broken record conversations, everything you can think of out onto the page. And in fact, I'd encourage everyone listening to this, as soon as this interview is over, literally just pick up a piece of paper, take 15 minutes, write out everything that you can think of on that topic. And you're going to realize, wow, I've got way more than I can. I've got way more than I thought that I could write about on this topic. Now, by the way, this also, I use this when I'm coming, when I'm creating talks, it's like the same exact process of uh, creating a signature talk. But so that's step one is the mind map. Then step two uh, in the more writing method, the O stands for outline. So turn that mind map into an outline by finding groups of ideas, right? So groups of ideas, and those are going to be sections for your book and ultimately will become chapters, um, right? So now all of a sudden you've got maybe a 15 chapter outline that you can use to write your book. Then the R in more writing method stands for rough draft. So that's really the goal. And we, we can talk about this more later, but is, is just get your rough draft done as quickly as possible. As soon as you get that done, you're going to start to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, and then the E stands for editing. So that's really, we've got eight, what we call milestones. It's kind of like checkpoints on your journey from going from idea to actually getting your book published. And those are the first four. So you've got mind map, outline, rough draft, uh, and then editing and those. And so that's kind of the starting point. And then we can even talk if you want about kind of the per chapter going, you can either write the book one chapter at a time, or you can speak the book one chapter at a time, which for a lot of speakers is, is more attractive. What's that process look like for speaking a book? Yeah. So basically the way I, so I just kind of said the macro view, what I do is I go one chapter at a time and I'll go, it's, it's another acronym, but we talk about mowing down the rough draft. Um, and, and so it's either mind map outline, write or mind map outline, speak kind of a choose your own adventure, but you'll say chapter one, 10 minutes, mind mapping, everything you can think of on that chapter, 10 minutes, turning that mind map into an outline for that chapter. And then either 45 minutes to an hour and a half writing the chapter, repeat that process chapter by chapter by chapter, or 10 to 20 minutes speaking the chapter repeat that process chapter by chapter by chapter. And that's how you can speak the book, then get it transcribed. And you get a quality rough draft versus, you know, sometimes people hear the idea of like, oh, just speak your book. And they don't do those first few steps. And so then you end up like 30 minutes later, like, I have no idea how I got here, where I'm at. And right. this is not a coherent thought. And this is definitely not a book. And then you're just editing, you know, for ages, because it's like, this is not good. So if you, but if you do those first couple steps, it'll, it'll be a cohesive thought and it'll make the process, you know, better book and, and a whole lot faster. Is there anything that you have found that works well for just, I think even just getting over the mental hump of doing something, right? Cause it's kind of like, 
um, it's almost like exercise or health or nutrition. Yeah. Like, you know what you're supposed to do. Right. And it's not overly difficult. I need to eat less and exercise more. And, and, you know, the, like those basic things I need to sit down, yeah. I need a mind map, but like, sometimes it's just difficult to, you know, take that very first step. Cause you know, like this is the first step of hundreds or thousands to actually get to a finished published <laughs> book in my hand. Yeah. And it just feels so daunting that I end up yeah. doing nothing. So like, how do you begin to build some of that momentum? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I, like, kind of two or three part answer would be, I mean, first and foremost, that's when we simplified to eight milestones. And so, so that it feels like, okay, I just got to take the next step and the next. Right. And so there's the, these are like checkpoints. And then you get started by doing the mind map outline, right. And kind of like going through one chapter um, at a time. And like that, that'll help get you going. But I mean, for me, I'm a C-level English student with in a college dropout with ADHD. <laughs> so I'm not, not exactly like someone that people would think would write a book. But so the way I do it is like, I've got to have a short and very focused time period. I don't want to be writing a book for three years. And it's just like simmering and it's always on my mind and it's all consuming. It's like, I want to get in and get a draft done. And then I'm going to step out and then I'm going to come back and edit it and make it better and all that stuff. So for me, that works, you know, not for, for everyone, not, it's not for everyone. So either you can kind of come in and do a lot at once, or you can chip away at, at it um, a little bit at a time, but we've got something I call the 30 day rough draft challenge. It's kind of like 75 hard, but the, the a, a ver, but for the actual for the writing, writing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, for, for the actual. And so it's, it's trying to get your rough draft done in, in uh, 30 days. Yeah. Uh, and it's super simple. It's two 30 minute writing sessions per day. Yeah. for 30 days. And if you miss a day, you go back to the start. So kind of just like they do in, in 75 hard and you screenshot your word count daily. Yeah. So you're, you've got kind of daily progress pick in terms of like, Hey, here's the progress I'm making on the book. Um, and then you, but you do that mind map and outline before you start so that you're not just like aimlessly wandering in the wilderness for, for 30 days, but you got a little bit of a plan and, right. um, and then chip away at it. And who knows? I mean, if you got 15 chapters, that's a chapter every other day. If you're trying to write a 30,000 word book, that's a thousand words a day, right? Yeah. So you can make some meaningful progress in, in a month. It seems like there's also kind of that tricky balance between um, it not dragging on and on and on, taking months and months and months. And someone's like, oh, I've been working on the same book for three years. It's like, eh, at some point, like put a bow on it and move on <laughs> um, versus other people. Like occasionally you'll hear about people, especially like in the, you know, in the Goober online marketing space of like, oh, I write a book every week. And it's like, do you yeah. though? Um and like, and everything in between, you know? And so like, there's certainly times where it may make sense for someone to like really spend a good amount of time. And sometimes maybe it's a shorter thing. So also, I guess, like, how do you determine, like, I'm working on a book, I got an idea for a book, but when is it done? When is it finished? When am yeah. I there? Like, when is enough for the rough draft to be like, okay, check that checkpoint. And now I'm ready to yeah. like, keep moving on in the process. You know, I'm certainly not advocating to write a crappy book. The world does not need more crappy books, write in a focused time period, but make it quality. And I think the important totally. thing, it, this is a rough draft. And so that's where I think there's, there's a couple within your question. I think there's a couple milestones, right? There's how do you get your rough draft finished? I would have, rather have a crappier finished draft than a perfectly unfinished draft. Right? Because you just start to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And so there's the, my draft is done, but then there's also realizing like, this is just a draft and I'm going to go through self-editing. I'm going to hire a professional editor and that sort of thing. And then there's what you talked about, which is like, stop the madness. This book will never be done. Like you've got to just right. eventually just ship it. And that's why I'm a big fan of 
deadlines and you know parkinson's law an object will swell to to fill the container that you give it right so if you give yourself three years it's going to take three years if you give yourself a year or 90 days it's going to take that long hey friends do you know the five steps to book more gigs and get paid as a speaker well if not listen up because these same five steps to help me to grow a seven-figure speaking career are all laid out in great detail in my latest book, The Successful Speaker. Five steps for booking gigs, getting paid, and building your platform. Whether you wanna speak as a side hustle or your dream is to become a full-time professional speaker, I know what it takes. I share all of that with you in this definitive step-by-step roadmap. Let me be your guide. Learn from my mistakes. Get paid what you know you're worth to share your unique message on stage. If you want to read the first chapter for free or just check out the book, go to thespeakerlab.com slash book. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash book. Check out your copy of The Successful Speaker. So at that point, let's assume that then you've got you know, a rough draft and that's, then it's kind of cold into a, a good quality book there. And so let's talk about kind of the differences between self-publishing, traditional publishing, hybrid publishing. And for the most part, you'd probably know this before you go into the book writing process, or at least have some good idea of which way you're leaning. Can you, obviously you're a big advocate for self-publishing, <laughs> but can you kind of talk about like, what are yeah. the pros and cons with self versus traditional versus hybrid? Cause I think there's also kind of the misconception of people who, who want to write a book is like, Oh, I'm just going to go get a, I'll just go get an agent and get a book deal. I was like, mm, yeah. it doesn't work like that. And it's kind of like, yeah. like, I think of it similar to the way people think about like a Ted talk. Oh, I'll just get a Ted yeah. talk. And then I'm, yeah. I'm set. And it's like, it yeah. just doesn't work like that. So mm-hmm. can you kind of talk us through what are the differences, pros and cons between self-traditional hybrid or, or any other, you know, mediums for, for publishing? Yeah. Naturally we get asked this question all the time and I own selfpublishing.com and self-publishing school. So um, I'm a little bit biased, but I, I would say, you know, there's really three or four main differences. It used to be that the only way you sold books was to get into bookstores. And the only way you got into bookstores was to have an a- uh, have a publisher. The only way you got a publisher was to have an agent, like, and, and, and. Right? Well, now 70% of all books sold are, are sold on Amazon, which is kind of a crazy stat. So, and you don't need a publisher to publish on Amazon. So that the distribution piece was a major chokehold on the industry, kind of like, you know, my brothers in the music industry with record labels and in the movie industry with uh, movie houses. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's like, it's, they're all gatekeepers. Three, yeah. So that, that has changed the game, but really there's, there's, there's a few main things to consider. There's, there's royalty rate, there's cost and how long it takes to go through the process. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you're going to get a higher royalty rate. Obviously, if you self-publish or hybrid publish, um, you're going to make basically nothing if you traditionally publish, unless you get an advance, right? And so that's where it can make sense. So just to kind of do, because uh, I could talk about this for ages, but for 99.9% of people listening, it makes more sense to self-publish and maybe even potentially as a, as a mid-step hybrid publish. Um, and But then for that 0.01%, um, if, if you have a big audience, um, then you, and you can get a big advance. That's the only time that it really, I think makes sense to consider, um, the traditional route, because obviously, you know, all the money you'll make off the book pretty much is going to be in the advance, but then you can yeah. spend the money to get help with the book. You can, to market the book, like all that stuff. So, and, and some, uh, some cases that makes sense. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I would echo that just from my own experience that I would say, again, 99% of, of people uh, should, should self-publish and having done both, I, again, self-published and traditionally, I think self is actually a better option um, for yeah. again, most, most, most people. Um, yeah. And for uh, several of the reasons that you, you mentioned as well, uh, what's kind of hybrid's kind of this new thing that has come on yeah. in the past, you know, several years or so past decade or two. Uh, what's, where does hybrid kind of fall in the mix? Obviously it's a mix of, of self and traditional, yeah. but what parts is it pulling from each side? Yeah, it's, um, it can be vague and confusing because it really runs the gamut right there. It runs the gamut from, oh, this is like a good best of both worlds to this is predatory. <laughs> like <laughs> this is so, like someone's charging you $30,000 for an Amazon login, <laughs> you know, and maybe like an editing, uh, like a little bit of editing or, or cover or something like that. So it really run the, runs the gamut. You, you got to do your due diligence, but um, when it's done right, it can, it can, be publishing support and slightly better royalties, yeah. um, which for some people that they'll say, Hey, that that's helpful for me. Yeah. And it's helpful for any, anybody working on a book to identify what are the things you're good at? What are the things you're strong at? So for example, I knew when I self-published a book several years ago, uh, my sister was a graphic designer. So I knew like, okay, I got an option there for yeah. cover and for the interior layout. Um, and so I had a, I had a good person that I could go to for that. Whereas like, I didn't have a clue how to get it on Amazon or so yeah. finding someone else who could hire with that or yeah. who's where, where do I print through and how does that work? So, um, so let's assume then that you go the, the self-publishing route. Uh, one of the things I remember early on when I self-published was I had a, a, someone told me your self-published book should not look self-published. And it it often, often <laughs> was that you? That wasn't you. At least it made you. I mean, unless uh, someone else is also saying that. That was, that was before you years ago. <laughs> but it, it like self-published book, self-published does have like, at times, I think it's much, much better now, but it has like a negative connotation of just like you printed something on Microsoft Word with a Microsoft Paint cover and just, you know, and call it, call it a book. Uh, so what are the things that you want to make sure that if you're going to self-publish, you really got to make sure you, you do a level of quality and excellence in these, you know, couple of categories. What, what, what would those be? I'd say three categories immediately come to mind. Um, your cover, your editing, and your formatting. And those are really the three biggest expenses if you self-publish. And, and so you need a good cover. You know, I think you're probably the exception to the rule grant. I would usually tell people don't hire your cousin that likes to design stuff, like hire a cover designer. And to be um, fair, like the, in defense of my, she's a, a, a professional graphic designer. Yeah, yeah, she yeah, works, she sure. does it full time, right? Yeah, sure. yeah. And yeah, she's yeah. done a bunch of stuff, but yes, you're right. And, and, and yeah, that's what I mean. Like you're the exception. You have an eye for this stuff. You're obviously like, you know what you're looking for. But I think a lot of times when I hear that, I'm like, oh gosh. Um, <laughs> my Aunt Melba's going to make it my cover. <laughs> like they took a graphic design class in college and you're going to have to have a difficult conversation or a crappy cover. Um, and you can decide in about three months. <laughs> but you need a real good cover. Um, a good cover needs to grab attention. The title needs to be easy to read. And your prospect or potential reader needs to instantly understand what the book's about and whether or not it's for them. So that's one of the most important things. Um, then, then obviously like quality editing to make sure the book's great. And then the formatting and layout so that it, it looks and feels like a uh, professional and substantial book, which I know I shipped you a copy of my new book. Like you can, you can see, like, it looks like you could not tell that this totally. was 
I'll publish. And so also I, I would guess whenever it comes to something like graphic design or layout or editing, those type of things that you're going to most likely hire someone to do, where, where do you even begin to, to find those people? Because like you said, we all may know someone who like, oh yeah, I, I could figure that out. But if they've never done it before, that's a, that's a different beast. So where, like, where should we begin to find some of those type of, of vendors or contractors? So yeah, there's a couple of things. And I've got a couple of chapters dedicated to this in my most recent book on, um, called publish. So I talk about how you find a cover designer, how you find an editor, um, all that stuff. I, I kind of break it down into um, you've got referrals and you've got marketplaces. Those mm-hmm. are the two big buckets. So referral, this is from someone, you know, who's an author in a similar genre who worked with someone and yep. they had a great experience. Right. And then at self-publishing school, we kind of have like a Rolodex of people we've negotiated exclusive discounts that we say, Hey, you should use one of these people. We've got an exclusive discount cover designers, editors, that sort of thing. And then you've got marketplaces. Um, so that this could be Upwork. This could be um, Fiverr. This could be Readsy. This could be you know, any of the online marketplaces um, can be good spots um, to go to. And then, um, you, you know, post a job, all that stuff of, uh, and, and, right. uh, and find someone good. So let's assume at this point, you've got, you've got the, the finished product and now you're ready to, to put it on Amazon. You're ready to print it, especially. I remember like, again, when I self-publish, I would have to print thousands and thousands of copies at a time. And we would have pallets that would show up and would sit in our garage. And so as yeah. I would speak, I'd be taking cases of books with me and it just, you know, over the, over periods of months, <laughs> like the, 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 the pallet would just shrink down and then you get another pallet and another couple of pallets. I'm like, it was just a grind. And like, again, I knew like, in order to get decent prices on books, you had to just order thousands and thousands of copies at the time. Again, this was years ago. I don't think it's as much the case now. Print on demand is much more like there's more yeah. viable options for that than there were years ago. So what are the options now for, I want to actually get a physical book in my hands. I've, I've got it as a as a, a file on my computer, but but how take us through like, who do we print through? Can we do that through Amazon? Like, how does that work? Yeah, there's kind of two big players in the space. Um, there's Ingram Spark and there's Amazon. And so, like you said, print on demand is, is the re- way it would, would be my recommendation for almost everyone that's self-publishing. And so it's, you know, instead of ordering hundreds or thousands of books ahead of time and, and sitting on those books, um, it gets printed, packed, shipped when people purchase. And so that's what print on demand is. And, and then you've got uh, KDP Print, which is just basically just a division of Amazon. And then you've got Ingram Spark. Um, and so those are two good resources there, but again, it's, and it's cost-effective. You don't have to order a ton of books. I mean, you can, it's like, you know, you can get them for three to five bucks a book kind of in in that general range and maybe a little bit more landed if, if shipped to your door. But yeah, so that, that, that that would be my recommendation for people. You touched on this earlier, but again, you know, years ago, self-publishing is you just needed the physical book and that was the only option, but now Kindle and, or eBooks and, and audiobooks, Audible are like huge, huge players and the way that a lot of people consume books. So should everybody who self-publishes a book or has a book, should they do it in these other formats or when does it make sense? When does it not make sense? I think, yeah, I think it's one of the big, biggest mistakes I see authors make because they don't publish their book in all three formats. Like one of the simplest ways to sell more books <laughs> is to have your book available in all three formats because people buy books differently based on their preference, based on the genre, like based on a lot of things. And um, and so I recommend doing all three formats, ebook, print, and audio. Um, and then for my most recent book, um, I've done this maybe 
I guess really only twice of, I've read my own audiobook. Um, and so for my, for my most recent book, I read the audiobook and I just think as from a brand perspective, from building relationships and turning listeners or readers into subscribers and ultimately paying customers for self-publishing school. I mean, I think that's the route to go. So, yeah. um, and I'm, I'm really pushing the audiobook because I know that, you know, I've got the self-publishing school podcast. And so I'm pushing it there. And, and it's just like, if you listen to a podcast, you're probably going to like the audiobook. Yeah. And just there's, and I just think it's an easier way to get people to consume the content they're, they're more likely to actually get through the book. You're building a relationship. Like there's so much rapport built and, and all that. So for, for a lot of those reasons, I'm bullish on audiobooks, but also on doing all three formats if you want to sell more books. It's also interesting that people choose to buy you know, a book in different formats, but also there are times where someone will buy the same book in multiple formats. I yeah. know I've done that. I think you've oh, probably yeah. done that where you're like, oh, definitely. you buy the physical book and you're like, I kind of, I'm getting ready to go on a trip and I'll, I'm yeah. going to buy the Kindle version or, or the, I've heard that the author reads it and tells some extra stories, you know? Yeah. And so I want to pick up the, pick it up on audible. And so you end up with the same book in multiple formats that you have purchased. And so that's another, again, way to kind of drive some uh, additional revenue from the same book, just having some exactly. different mediums there that it would be offered. Exactly. So what about, uh, so once the book is complete, it's up on Amazon or it's out in the world. It's kind of like, you know, if you build it, they will not come. Nobody cares. Like your mom's thrilled. You have a book, nobody else cares. So how do we start to actually sell books, get books out there, especially for speakers, you know, and as we don't want them, I didn't want them sitting in my garage. I want to get them out into the world. And so what do we do at this point? Cause, cause as you all know, like this is the point where like perhaps the real work actually begins. And so oh, just because the, the book is finished means absolutely nothing. So how, how do we, how do we sell more books and especially for speakers? Yeah. So there's, there's the launch and then there's the sell more books component. Right. And so when I look at the launch, I look at um, what I call the launch triangle. Um, and so it's really like, you know, three, three things to do when you launch. Right. Mm-hmm. So you've got um, creating a launch team, you've got getting reviews and then you've got doing promotions. And so that's kind of the, that is the launch triangle. And so starts with the launch team. If you do nothing else, just do this. Um, so this is, this is, uh, it, it could be five, 15, 50 plus people. Um, but it's people who care about you or the topic of your book could be customers, friends, family members, um, really anyone. And basically what you'll, you'll do is you'll give them a free copy of the book ahead of, ahead of time. And, and they will read the book ahead of time and leave a review on day one. And so now all of a sudden you've got 15, 50, 100 reviews right out of the gates. And so that actually leads to the second part of the triangle, right? So you got launch team, you've got reviews, and then the third, so that helps you get reviews out of the gates. Um, and then um, you've got promotions. And so promotions, this is kind of, I talk about two specific launch strategies. So there's the MVP launch and then there's traditional launch. So MVP is your minimum viable product launch. Um, And then traditional launch is any traditional book that you've seen launched likely followed some some form of the traditional launch. So I think of it kind of like an accordion where depending on your time that you have, your resources that you have and your audience, you'll be somewhere between the spectrum of MVP to traditional launch or maybe in the middle. Um, but based on kind of your time, and, but that's the promotions piece. Like yeah. your promotions will be the accordion um, that will expand or contract based on, you know, your goals for the book, uh, the right. end goal and, and resources, time, all that stuff. 
Yeah. yeah. And so what should be like, uh, especially when it comes to like sales, like what should be proper ex expectations? Because for, uh, for some people they're assuming like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, write a book and millions are going to sell. It's like, yeah, probably, <laughs> probably not. And, and other yeah. people who are, uh, are, are trying to figure out, I just, I want, you know, I want to write this more for myself, kind of a, a memoir type thing or something I can give to my kids. So how do we kind of like set proper expectations of how yeah. a book does or like what we are? I know this is something I talk with speakers a lot about where if they're going like, I want to write a book. I was like, but why? Like, what's the goal yeah. here? What are you trying to get from yes. it? And then let's make sure that the book that you're doing actually leads to that goal yeah. versus like, I wrote a book, but I'm not really sure what it's for. So kind yes. of set us up like proper expectations of like the book's done. We're starting to sell yeah. a few, but also like, what should we expect going forward? I don't want to give an, it depends answer, but I would say the average self-published book, I think there's a stat. It's like sells less than a hundred copies, which is yeah. just, I mean, that's so depressing, but I would say thousands over the course of your first year is very solid. And 10,000 plus over the course of your first year is like, that's like fantastic. You're, you're killing it. But to your point, like do the fundamental things that I talked about in the launch triangle. But to your point, it's really about what intentionally using the book to grow your business. If yeah. that's, or get speaking. So begin with the end in mind. And then sure the ego in you is going to say how many copies have I sold? And like, I want to know that number. And I want that number to be as big as possible. But really, I know for me, it was like, all right, sure. I want to, I want to move 5,000 copies in the first month of launching my most recent book. But the more important number was I want to book a thousand appointments with my team yeah. from the book launch for people who are interested in self-publishing school. So that yeah. was like the way more important number um, for me. And so begin with the end in mind. And it's, it's not just all about book sales. Cool. Well, I know we've just, uh, again, we've just kind of scratched the surface here. There's a lot here. You've referenced a couple of times, uh, the book published, uh, talk to us about the book and, uh, I believe there's a way we can get our hands on it. So talk to us about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the book it, it's called published the proven path from blank page to 10,000 copies sold. It's really the 10,000 foot view of how to go from idea or no idea to published book, selling more copies, using the book to get speaking gigs, using the book to grow your business. Like Really, it's kind of end to end there. So um, you can grab the book anywhere copies or anywhere books are sold and on Amazon and all that good stuff. But what I did is I've, I've got a link, which for the first 50 people who want to get a copy of the book, you can go to publishedbook.com forward slash grant. You don't have to pay anything. You just fill out your information and address. Tell me where to send it. I'll print it, pack it, ship it, um, all that good stuff to you. So it's not a free plus shipping. It's free plus no. free. It's free plus no shipping. <laughs> it's the free <laughs> plus no shipping funnel. <laughs> um, and so you don't have to pay anything. Um, like I was telling you beforehand, who knows? Maybe I'll regret the, the endless amount of fulfillment <laughs> costs that I have, um, but it's free. Um, so grab a copy and um, for the first 50 people. Awesome. Again, that, that link is publishedbook.com slash grant. Go pick up your copy there. Uh, Chandler, man, we appreciate the time. And uh, uh, again, you also got self-publishing school. The podcast tells us anything else that we need to know. Where else can we go and find yeah. you? Um, we've got self-publishing school podcasts. If you're into that sort of thing, I've, I've got an awesome episode um, back in the day with Grant on that podcast. Um, and then if you're interested in seeing what we do, you can go to self-publishingschool.com forward slash apply, um, book a call with the team. We're happy to chat about your book, how we can help put together our plan, all that good stuff. Awesome, man. We appreciate the time. Grant, thank you. 
All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab Podcast. And before you take off, don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps it helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. Again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.